Good morning, church. Anybody see my new Bible? If you don't know, I've had this really, it was just almost feeling sinful. It's really old Bible that uh, would just fall apart. People would find different pages of my Bible around the church and things. And uh, I've, I've been given so many Bibles, but uh, I just didn't want to do the work of transferring all the notes and all of those kinds of things. So I've had a little bit of time the last few weeks and I'm almost done transferring all the, all the notes in the Bible. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there and I've got a new Bible. Praise the Lord. Hopefully similar anointing or greater, but still the, the key word study Bible. Well, I want to share a message with us uh, this morning on uh, Pentecost Sunday, and then at the end, I'm going to invite my wife Morgan up, and we're going to share a special uh, announcement uh, with the church family here and those who are watching online uh, as we're continuing to uh, try to social distance, which is clearly not happening here. Uh, and since you've already held people's hands uh, in the prayer circles, uh, usually my whole thing is, you know, grab the person's hand next to you. But um, I'm just going to pray and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the times and seasons, the dates, your calendar. Thank you that you are unfolding, that you are unveiling all things, Lord, according to your plan and according to your purpose. And Lord, we look to you here on Pentecost Sunday, as we call it here in America. And God, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for a prophetic spirit to be released during this time, meaning that you would give us ears to hear, excuse me, yeah, ears to hear, and eyes to see what your spirit might be trying to communicate with us in this hour. And Lord, I just continue to lift my voice, Lord, with this leadership team, with my brothers and sisters, that racism is demonic, that violence is demonic. Lord, we do not agree or stand, Lord, in any way in agreement with it. We renounce it. We call it out. Lord, I pray more than a Facebook status that you would activate this generation. Lord, even as the uh, National Guard is being activated in America, Lord, we ask, let the church be activated. Lord, we thank you that this wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. Lord, open up our eyes, tune our ears into the demonic battle that rages in this nation and in many nations. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Acts chapter 2? If I had a title for this message, it would be called Pentecost at Any Cost. Pentecost at Any Cost. would also just like to solicit your prayers. I'll be getting on a plane Thursday heading to California. Uh, most of you know I have a knack to fly right into the midst of chaos and preach the man Jesus. I really do believe the beauty of Jesus is going to be unveiled to this generation 
and we are going to see a great harvest. I will be in California um, outside of Los Angeles Thursday, Friday night. Well, brother, is it dangerous? Yes. Could you get arrested? Yes. I say praise the Lord. Uh, on Saturday night, I will then fly to Phoenix and will be preaching at Fresh Dart Church in Peoria, Arizona. Maybe the most burning hot church in this nation. I would highly recommend uh, following Fresh Dart Church, Pastors Kim and Paul Owens. And then on Sunday morning, I will minister at Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord International. What a name for a church. Prepare ye the way of the Lord International. Our world in America today is in an absolute uproar. I'm just going to read from my journal here. From COVID-19 shutdowns and sickness to now rioting, looting, racism, social media where everyone has an opinion. The Supreme Court in California ruling this week 5 to 4 against churches exercising religious liberty in the future during hours of crisis, basically leaving it up to the governors to decide when we can meet and when we can't meet. And right in the midst of the turbulence, here we are on Pentecost Sunday, a marker in the global church that represents unity, divine empowerment to witness, the birth of the New Testament church. I love what one scholar comments on this day and says, they were all in one place and in one accord. Upon that unity, the blessing of the Holy Spirit was poured out. On that day, the walls of separation and hostility were forever brought down as Christ birthed one unified body out of many flawed individuals. The division between Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female dissolved as they entered the kingdom of God by the thousands. Let's read it together. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read to verse 13. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Can you say together? I, for one, believe that there is power as we gather together. I know that we've heard through the pandemic, many say, well, we are the church and we don't need a building, but I just want to continue to alert us to the plans of the devil that always seek to isolate. They always seek to limit our numbers. You know, people have asked me somewhat of my perspective as more of a visible leader in the body of Christ, uh, knowing a lot of what was happening behind the scenes. You know. It was so interesting in early February, I was on a conference call uh, with Lou Engel and Daniel Kalenda and Andy Bird and many uh, of the national, international leaders. And most people don't know this was the year for stadium gatherings. 2020 was the planned 
from all the charismatic national and international leaders where stadiums would be filled, where mass evangelism would take place, and then they really felt like with the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and if you might have heard the prophecy from Bob Jones about the apostolic chiefs and when the chiefs win the Super Bowl, it would be a sign of historic revival. If we just back up just a couple months in February, I know I was up in Canada at a large stadium gathering myself, but if you back up just a couple of months ago, so, so much of, of the global church, Brazil, uh, staging meetings, planning in Europe. I mean, we're, we're getting ready. We're going to press the accelerator on mass gatherings together, uh, overtaking cities and regions. And then by around February, we can't gather corporately. We have to put masks over our face, which I'm not here to argue with you about whether we should wear one or not. I'm just going to say I believe it's symbolic. Mass over the mouth, sickness, fear, and now we're seeing rioting and looting and racism. I mean, what a plan. You just imagine the devil conspiring in a corner to release a virus, to put masks on everybody's mouth, to isolate them, you have a plan over here of godly men and women, prayer and fasting. We're going to fill stadiums. We're going to overtake cities. And here we are 50 days after the resurrection on May 31st. I mean, if you don't feel the tension, you might not have a pulse. We are definitely seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus but I personally, I sat up last night from 10 to 1.30 and just watched the riots. I mean, it was like a front row seat to like a video game. New York City, L.A., Seattle. I mean, you're just watching this. And again, I, I was getting off my couch almost feeling prompted to check a calendar. Like, is this for real? Do we really go from February to the end of May, and we're right in the middle of an epic battle. I mean, have you looked in the mirror and thought, what a time to be alive? I mean, not, nothing like this in the history of the world. Joel cried out in his day, has there, any, has there ever been anything like this? It's good to be with you today. Gathered together. I missed you. Did you miss me? Maybe not. Just settle down, brother. All right, verse 2. Got to watch out for the prophets. They... Have a hard time sticking to the word for long periods. And suddenly there came from heaven. Can you say suddenly? suddenly? Can we believe for a suddenly moment in the midst of a global crisis? And suddenly, I mean, I have that circle big. I did transfer that over, Dave. Old Bible suddenly highlighted, underlined. I got it right here. And suddenly... 
There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered, because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and all marveled, saying, why are not all these why are not all these who are speaking Galileans and how is it that we each hear them in our own language which we were born Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus and Asia and then there's a couple of P words in Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome. I mean, you, you get it, the Cretans, the Arabs, we hear them in our own language speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Every tongue, every tribe and every nation. God loves all tribes. He loves all races. He loves all people. Salvation is just not for so for whosoever will, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the prophecy of Joel is also available for us all. I put a couple of posts on social media that stirred up some controversy. What's new? By the way, it sells. Oh, it's for free. Read the news. And a woman had, I, I had made a comment about Pentecost and Azusa Street and where is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a woman, 62 years old, messaged me and said, Brother, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I pastored a Pentecostal church. And are you telling me that I'm probably not Pentecostal if I don't speak in tongues? I wrote in capital letters, yes. <laughs> How did you grow up in a Pentecostal church and pastor a Pentecostal church and not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? mean but others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine let me give you a little bit of background of the story that we're reading today the feast of pentecost 50 days after the resurrection jeff oliver writes and says this the Feast of Pentecost was a multinational, multicultural gathering which provided the perfect platform for the launching of Pentecost and the church's worldwide mission. Clearly, 
the gospel was to be preached in all nations and in all languages. These wealthy, devout Jews were astonished and mystified that Galileans, whose dialect was considered outlandish, crude, barbaric, and whose behavior was typically rough, could speak the wonderful works of God so fluently and eloquently in their language. From the very outset, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Could you just close your eyes for a minute? And I want you to picture this gathering, a multicultural, multinational, tongue, tribe, nation, and suddenly, I want you to picture a city in America now. I want you to picture different races. I want you to picture mockers, God-haters. I want you to picture Christians there. And then hear this, then suddenly. The 120 displayed symptoms of intoxication. How we doing, Pentecostals? Well, brother, we're just believing for more, but I got to have it my way. Brother, we're just believing for a suddenly moment in our home. We need the house to be clean, the chores to be done, everything in order. I mean, don't you just love this God who loves to break into chaos? Like, is God drawing near to America right now, or is he backpedaling? Do we think that he's looking down at the crisis and and the chaos and the looting and the rioting and he's just sitting up there with his hands folded saying, well, I guess I'll let him work it out? What would it really look like if you and I began to cry out for another Pentecost? Another outpouring of of the Holy Spirit, another refreshing, another suddenly moment and the Spirit of God began to manifest and pour Himself out. It says here that they displayed symptoms of intoxication. Can I just encourage you when you ask God to move, let Him define the terms. Ecstatic speech, erratic behavior, euphoria, jubilation, 
New wine meant the strongest and sweetest wine. Yet it was only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> they already got us. Was it 11.30? I mean, there's not only some wild stuff going on. It's, it's like 9 a.m. Sometimes it takes me being upgraded to first class to remember that there are still people who drink alcohol at 9 a.m. I sat by plenty of them all over the U.S. I mean, they are getting hammered at 9 a.m. Traditionally, it was an hour of prayer, worship, sacrifice, especially on feast day. Few would have eaten or even drunk. But as is common with ignorant people throughout history, particularly religious ones, they mocked the movement of God. Isn't it interesting that those on the front lines casting stones of a new move of God were those who led the last one? You didn't hear me. The fiercest proponents and, and, and critics of what God is doing in this generation oftentimes led the last one. In other words, what if the next greatest revival won't happen in a church building? It will be one in the streets of America. I'm just asking a question. I'm not prophesying. But what if it looks like something different than we've been taught? Could we cry out for a suddenly today and say, Lord, we'll, we'll leave that up to you, what the suddenly looks like in my life, my marriage, my family. I don't, I don't want to have to copy. I don't, I don't want to have to mimic because we don't have time to read it today. But Peter, you know, the guy who denied Christ, the coward, all of a sudden, he gets launched right in the next few verses as the leader of this next move of God. This is that. This is what Joel prophesied. And by the way, I, I love Peter, just his boldness. He says, and you crucified him. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't try to please everybody. He says, this is that. This is what Joel prophesied. And by the way, you crucified Jesus. Such religious individuals have mocked Jesus, Pentecost, and every movement of God since. In fact, over the century, many disparaging titles have been assigned to movements of God intending to bring reproach or shame, but were later worn as badges of honor. Are you, are you awake today? This is so cool. Names that were assigned to moves of God by critics hoping to shame them over time, actually became badges of honor that they wore. Anabaptists, 
Protestants, Puritans, Quakers, Shakers, Methodists, Drunkards, Dunkers, Holy Rollers. Well, I just need everybody to like me. I need a good name. I need a good reputation. I need it to be all according to what I believe. And the hand of the Lord just passes over and says, who else? In response to such mockery, Peter and the twelve stood up. Then Peter, the Galilean fisherman, thank you Lord, struggled during COVID, not reading your Bible like you should, not praying, maybe got into some pornography, fighting with your wife and your kids. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not where you want to be. I can assure you, I'm probably pretty sure that Peter in this moment, that denial of Christ, he probably wasn't where he wanted to be, but something rose up in him. He took the podium and preached to several thousand wealthy, devout Jews a Holy Spirit-inspired message. God, would you do it again in this generation? Dude, I was in the back during worship just picturing Atlanta, New York, L.A., saying, God, would your Spirit fall upon a generation? Would you raise up revolutionaries? I mean, whatever kind of anointing, Wesley, Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, God, would you raise up bold witnesses of the gospel who might not even feel qualified, who maybe the church has thrown away. God, would you do it again? But something I felt led to address this morning is just simply the mystery of why moves of God often precede or they follow global crisis. You know, I mentioned before in February when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, my, because I'm like the prophetic guy and people read the dreams or whatever, I had to shut off my phone on Super Bowl night because I was getting so many texts and so many phone calls. Jeremiah, this is it! I mean, I'm getting text messages from leaders. It's in the bag! America, revival! One guy even had the audacity. If I told you his name, you'd know right here. This is what he said to me. I will no longer receive anything negative concerning the future of America. And then, bam. <laughs> Folks, I I'm telling you, there are thousands, there could be millions. I feel called to offer hope today. 
I feel called to offer perspective today. I feel called to offer Bible theology today. I think in a lot of our revival theology, it's whacked. It's built on emotionalism. It's not founded on the Word of God. God is never going to bless a nation who turns away from Him. doesn't matter how cute the prophecy sounds and how many shares it gets on Facebook. God has never promised peace and prosperity to a nation or a person who lives in open rebellion according to his standard. So what, what is this theology that I speak of? It's, it's just all got to be positive. We just all have to have this eschatology that the world is, is, is going to get better and better. And when they're really cuckoo, we're all going to heaven. It's just all positive. It's all daisies. It's all roses. And then when real biblical shaking and birth pangs, what it does, what it should do, to those who have discernment, is strengthen and embolden us. But to people that haven't been taught Bible, it causes disillusionment, where they fall away from the Word of God because they were never taught it. See, we're seeing the, the fundamental breakdown, especially in the charismatic, conference-oriented. We're seeing a lack of discipleship. We're seeing a, a fundamental, especially in the young people who's out there at midnight rioting and looting. They're under 25. We're getting a front-row seat to what's going to happen if a, a young generation is given the baton who haven't been discipled in the ways of Christ. There is no social justice without Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what color your skin is, there is no social justice without Jesus Christ. Pentecost, I'm reading from my journal. In Jerusalem, what we're reading is followed by the greatest persecution the church had ever known under Emperor Nero in A.D. 64. Tremendous outpouring, signs, wonders, and miracles in the book of Acts. If you ask me, there's just something about being filled with the Holy Ghost that stirs up demons. There's just something about operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's just something about revival. If they're not talking bad about it, it probably wasn't real. The first great awakening in the 1730s and 1740s is followed by what? The Revolutionary War. From 1775 to 1783. The second great awakening. 
from 1795 to 1835 is followed by the Civil War from 1861 to 1865. Azusa Street, which I'm going to read from in a moment, 1906 to 1914 is followed by World War I from 1914 to 1918. The Voice of Healing movement in the 1940s to 1950s is during and followed by World War II from 1939. Are, are you following me? I'm trying to paint a picture of glory and crisis. I'm trying to paint a picture of light and darkness. I'm trying to paint a picture of a historic awakening and revival. God give us a Pentecost at any cost in the midst of COVID-19, racism, rioting, and looting. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And suddenly... No, some of you, you got to get woke. Woke, it's the new term. It's no longer wake up. A guy wrote a book called The Woke Church. We, we've got to get away from this escapism theology. I wrote the other day on social media, in another 10 years, people are, brother, the world's not going to be here in another 10 years. When I begin to engage them, and I, I get where they're coming from, but again, they have a theology that's just holding on for dear life until Jesus Christ returns, and I don't really care if the city and the neighborhood that I live in are going to die and go to hell, which isn't the gospel. This is not hang on until you die. This is occupy and infiltrate so that all men might be saved. How we doing? Just reading from my journal, I began to ask myself in early March, does spiritual awakening throughout history generally proceed or co coincide with national crisis, war, and disaster. Furthermore, does the Bible describe an end-time scenario according to Isaiah 60 where we can be certain that it will be filled with glory and crisis, light and darkness, awakening and turmoil being manifested simultaneously across the earth? Both historically and biblically, the answer is an emphatic yes. I know by experience, it takes time. Like you have to swallow the pill that we're offering today. It's free. It's called the gospel. Now, sometimes when you swallow something that doesn't taste good, for me, it's anything green. <laughs> During COVID, Morgan was having me take, like, shots of healthy juice. I don't know if you guys watched that on Instagram. I mean, I'm taking these shots like, oh. 
mean, who eats vegetables? Like mac and cheese, right? The South. I mean, sometimes when you, you know, we're, we're serving, we're not serving lollipops and ice cream. Again, I ask, have you considered the day and the hour in which we live? Can, can we get out of fantasy world that's not only not helping the world around you, it's putting you in danger of a great falling away that's very real? Could we put on the full armor of God? After having everything to do to stand, we still stand. Who's heard of Azusa Street? And I'll close. I'm an old soul, y'all. My favorite course at Southeastern University was Pentecostal theology. I grew up the son of a charismatic Pentecostal preacher. The whole Pentecost at any cost. I'm I'm not for drive-through services that appease the upcoming generation. I'm not for animal crackers and video games and our youth programs because apparently people can't pay attention now more than they couldn't 50 years ago. I'm more just bring the sleeping bags and let's do the shut-ins and, you know, let's preach the Word of God, forget church growth textbooks. I mean, you guys that have walked with us at Heart of the Father for 10 years, you get all that. But there's just something about Azusa Street that that speaks to the core of what I believe God wants to say and especially regarding racism. I've been scanning Facebook to be honest with you. Is there anyone that's going to post anything about William Seymour? I personally have not seen anything. We reach millions of people according to Facebook every, every month. I've not seen a single post about how Azusa Street in the beginning was a miracle because it overcame the power of racism. Now, I'm not going to argue with you. I think probably it ended due to racism. It was a, a constant battle and a fight. That's just my opinion from my research and, and my study. But again, Azusa Street Falls, I'm just trying to give you the history of, of the Pentecost in Acts 2, and then we have Azusa Street around 1906. I want to read you something from uh, General William Booth of the Salvation Army. How many of you are familiar with him? This is what he wrote in 19, or excuse me, in 1890, okay? Right a couple years before Azusa Street. He says, this is the report from London. 2,000 dead, 2,000 suicides, 30,000 prostitutes, 160,000 arrests for drunkenness, and nearly 1 million homeless people welcome to the modern age. So again, just fast forward 2020... (laughs) Can you imagine what they're going to write in the future? About 2020, 100,000 dead from COVID. 
Every major city in America rioting and looting. I mean, just, just that despair and that hopelessness and that fear. See, I'm trying to offer you hope and perspective so that you don't get shaken by watching the news. So that you don't get shaken by what's happening in the world around us. And if anything, if we're going to shake at all, let's shake in the presence of God. Let's shake before His majesty asking Him and suddenly... Lord, let there be historic revival and awakening poured out in every home, in every city in America. Lord, I'm going to say something offensive. Shut the mouth of Donald Trump when he incites any kind of violence. See, some of you are now offended because we need a Bible theology. Listen, folks, I pray, would you pray that for me? Lord, shut Jeremiah's mouth when he utters anything that's not from you. Or are we Trump worshipers? Are we, are, are, are we untouchable now? Are we just going to bow? Listen, just because somebody is anointed from God doesn't mean they're not a human capable of making mistakes. I'm asking God to shut the mouth of anyone in this nation who is not speaking His purposes and His plans. And Lord, I'm asking you, open up the mouth of a generation who has solutions, who has answers. His name is Jesus Christ. Forget Republican. Forget Democrat. Black, white, Hispanic. I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. Christ alone. He is the hope of the world. See, now you got the prophet talking. People are going to get mad. Right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter who they are. The only blood that's thicker than water is the blood of Jesus. What in the world? Well, I'm related to them. Well, they're a part of my political affiliation. Well, well, listen, the only person I'm getting in bed with is my wife. How we doing? God, we need you to break into this nation. It was William Seymour at Azusa Street. God flood the stinking internet with this marvelous brother. The color lines are washed away in the bloodline. Come on, Enrico, give me a hay. Come on, Enrico, give me a hay. All right, let me read you a story real quickly from Azusa Street. Gosh, this makes me weep. 
It was the fall of 1906 when G.B. Cashwell, a holiness preacher from Dunn, North Carolina, boarded a train to make a six-day cross-country trip to Los Angeles, California. For months, he had been reading accounts of how the baptism of the Holy Spirit was being poured out at a little mission in Azusa Street. The story stirred a hunger in this preacher for his own personal Pentecost. He began seeking the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but could not receive it. The frustrated pastor finally decided his only choice was to go to revival itself. I could preach a whole sermon in this, but if this is just for one person, there are many times in the life where the more is not in front of you, it's somewhere else. And your inability to be inconvenienced and made uncomfortable is going to keep you from the more. Cashwell arrived in Los Angeles on a Sunday and immediately went to Azusa with great expectation. However, when he entered the mission, the scene was not as he expected. Folks, for the last time, when we pray for the suddenly, I promise usually it is not what we expected. Being a white preacher from the South, he found the mixing of the races to be too much for his own personal prejudice. He left offended. He could not bring himself to have a black man lay hands on him. Folks, we're, we're reading about an account of a revival that touched the world. Cashwell felt he wasted the trip. That night he wrestled with the Lord in prayer. He came to the conclusion that if he wanted a Pentecost, he had to surrender his prejudice. One forty-seven in the morning last night. I just began to cry. I said, Lord, maybe the next Pentecost in America is going to require us to lay our prejudice aside. Prejudice about people. Prejudice about denomination. Prejudice about what, whatever it is that we think that we know. And our opinions. Can't you see Facebook has become Satan's mouthpiece? Oh my goodness. He would have to crucify his own prejudice. He went back to the mission and straight to the altar. There he prostrated himself in the dirt and sawdust and repented before the Lord. As Cashwell wept and prayed, William Seymour, the black pastor leading the revival, came and laid hands on the white preacher. Cashwell immediately was baptized in the Holy Ghost.
Folks, I'm telling you, that suddenly moment is beyond the door of you getting over your opinion of that person. Your opinion of that movement. Your opinion of the more for that brother was on the other side of heartfelt repentance. God, I've had a prejudice. I've had an accusation in my heart. You know, the Greek word accuse, it literally means to categorize. So in other words, well, they're black. That's why they do that. You categorized a race of people and said, you just stay stuffed in that box. Well, they're white, they're Hispanic, well, they're... And the accuser comes. In the middle of the night, the accuser comes in the marriage. The accuser comes in the midst of revival and says, You are that way because. God is saying, I want you to stop pointing the finger. I want you to repent of bitterness and accusation and prejudice. I want you, this brother got in the dust and the sawdust. Thank God for clean altars. Or if you do at our home, thank God for a clean room. Women say amen. Lord, I just, I give you my, my opinion. I surrender my thoughts to you. Two questions, and then I'll close. I hope that we can find strength and encouragement by what God is speaking to us today. Here's, here's a statement and then a question. Here's the, my first statement. We are right in America for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If anything that we've read today historically about Azusa Street, anything that we know in the news. I want you to take hope and confidence in the Word of God and in history that I believe that we are at a tipping point in America. I believe personally if the church does not rise up and get in the streets, I want to be a little controversial here. I personally believe the Lord has spoken to me that if the American church, those who understand there's no social justice without Jesus, if we do not rise and outnumber those who have an agenda, America in a short few months' time will never look like it's looked like again. I believe the war and the tipping point has exceeded, well, let's just have a prayer meeting in church. I believe in prayer meetings. I believe in, listen folks, the wound of this nation is so broken and so scarred, just offering a few words isn't going to do it anymore. We have a generation desperate to be on the front lines. To me, there's no excuse why the church shouldn't be first up to bat. We're right for a fresh outpouring. And secondly, finally, will the voice of prejudice and accusation or the voice of prayer 
unity and healing be the loudest voice in this generation? Will the voice of prejudice and accusation or the voice of prayer, unity, and healing be the loudest voice in this generation? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we lift up every family, every individual, every city, America, the nations of the earth. And God, we just dare to make a two-word declaration and suddenly. God, we're asking for suddenly moments all over the earth. God, we're asking that the beauty of Jesus would be revealed to this generation. God, I pray for road of Damascus encounters in L.A. and New York. God, we're asking for fresh baptisms of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles. God, we're asking, God, would you do it again? Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine. Lord, on Pentecost Sunday, Lord, we ask, would you infill and send out witnesses? God, we pray for a gospel witness in every city in America. In every city in America, Lord, raise up a gospel witness. Lord, we pray for, Lord, the race wars. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters. Lord, we repent today. We invite you, Spirit of truth, would you come and examine our hearts. God, I break the Freemason spirit in Jesus' name, that could be in someone's bloodline and they don't even know it. Lord, you have shown me this principality again and again. Lord, we plead your blood. Lord, we ask for a cleansing in Jesus' name and our bloodline. Lord, if we have adapted ways of thinking and profiling and prejudices that has been passed down by our forefathers, Lord, we repent and renounce it and break ties. And we ask Jesus, Lord, we lift up the police. We lift up the military. God, we lift up the president of this great nation. God, we dare to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I stand before this people as a prophetic messenger in this nation, and I say that my allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. 
I will not give my allegiance to a political party or any man or woman. Right is right and wrong is wrong. God, I thank you that justice and righteousness are the foundation of your throne. And God, we ask, let your throne be established in this nation, in our families, and in every nation of the earth. Let's give God a clap offering. I want to invite my precious wife, Morgan, up. Can we give Morgan a round of applause? We're going to shift gears here just for a second and make a uh, special announcement to our uh, church family and home here. And um, this announcement that we're making today uh, has been one that is um, going to be shared today publicly, but has um, been in the works behind the scenes uh, now for about six months. Uh, it was in 2019 uh, in November where I had a radical encounter with the Lord that was unexpected. It was one of those suddenly moments where my sights were set on a lot of that was in front of us. And God said to me, Jeremiah, I want you to build an altar to me in this nation. I'm going to release the spirit and power of Elijah. And I want you to pursue three main realities, fire, family, and fathering. And the Lord said to me, my fire was always meant to be stewarded in the context of family with the oversight of fathers. And as I began to fast and pray, I met with our elders here in Lakeland. I met with our elders in Winter Haven, Florida, and just began a dialogue of what it would look like to pursue uh, this mandate. And obviously, we planted the church here out of our living room in 2010. We spent a decade in deep love and relationship um, this place, we consider some of the greatest people on earth that I've ever met traveling are sitting in this room. I have confidence whether I'm traveling on the road or I'm here that our elder team, our staff are some of the most godly, noble character, full of integrity. I couldn't speak more highly about them than what I just communicated, deep love and deep relationship and in this encounter, the Lord said to me, Jeremiah, I want you to move your family to Charlotte, North Carolina, to build an altar to me. And so today, for the very first time on Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit fell, he sent them to Judea and Samaria, and he's sending us to Charlotte, North Carolina. And for us, this has been a lot of grief. It's been a lot of relief. It's been a lot of excitement. You can imagine uh, the range of emotions. I was here yesterday crying my eyes out in this sanctuary, just saying, God, we've invested our lives, our, our early years to you. 
but we believe part of following the call of God is just simply to listen and obey. Um, just a little bit about the altar, just so that I'm clear. I believe that God is releasing us from any form of pastoral ministry. I don't really believe I was ever good at it anyways. There might be some carnage sitting in this room. We are going up to Charlotte, North Carolina. I just flew back this week from locking in a facility that we will use for our media, our television, more training and equipping both online and on campus for schools. I believe, again, the Lord wants us to step into a fuller mandate in the prophetic for this nation. We have preached the value of community for years, so I will not become one of those traveling guys that doesn't have community. We are going to be attending a local church in the Charlotte area, and then I am submitting my ministry to Dr. Bob Gladstone, who is becoming a greater father in my life. We're talking weekly. I've spent a lot of time with them, Morgan and I, and we'll remain connected with Dr. Michael Brown. So it's real important for us to communicate moving forward that we're not going to plan a church. We are going to be attending a church and in fathering relationships, but we're going to step into this mandate to build an altar to the Lord, to travel, to do media and television. And just on behalf of Morgan and I, we love you all. We're so thankful for those of us who have followed us on this journey. I want to thank David and Barry and Brandon for your grace and your patience, for my prophetic unstable ways at times. I used to get in front of Barry and shotgun 58 different words and dreams for the Lord. And Barry would say, brother, why can't we just do the Bible? And I would say, amen. David is a man of great wisdom. I appreciate the wisdom, the integrity that David carries. Brandon and Allison have been just, I consider, a son and daughter of the house, even though they're our age. They have paid a price. God has blessed them. Just to everyone involved, um, I believe I had a dream two months ago where the Lord said that there is a new era that is coming to Heart of the Father ministry. Our message from the beginning has always been team. It has always been release. It has never been centered on one man or one woman. We appreciate the love, the honor that you have for us, but I'm fully confident that the work of the Lord will continue in might and in power here in Lakeland and in Winter Haven. Morgan, you want to share? Um, well, I really don't want to share, but my love for you guys <laughs> trumps that. And um, God has been speaking to us so clearly, and it is a very, very exciting transition. I cannot wait to watch Jeremiah really step into the call that God has on him. Um, as we shared in September, the grace had lifted um, as an elder, and it's been a beautiful thing for our family, and we're a stronger family unit for that, and God has been so faithful to my heart to confirm and comfort and just bring so much joy in the transition, and with that comes a lot of sorrow. We are not leaving. 
um, on bad terms, and that makes it like we're leaving family, and that is really, really hard. Allison Jenkins and Julie Vespa and Diane Nichols are some of the dearest people to my heart, and I probably will be a bucket of tears until we actually leave, because honestly, Lakeland, Florida, the, the area is nothing to me, but this family has held me together when I had miscarriages, has celebrated with me through four different babies that are beautiful and that God has gifted us with. And this community has been our family. When you birth a church, you birth a baby, and this is a baby we're leaving family. And with that brings joy, because I know you don't just leave and become disconnected, but we're knit together through the Lord. And I just want to thank you guys for that. Mama Marie is one of the most dear people to me. She raised me, really, in the younger years of planting a church and being young. Y'all, I was 22, I think, when I had Bella Grace and had zero idea what I was doing. And I would just sit on Mama Marie's floor and she would pray with me and tell me I'm going to be okay. There are tons of people in this room. There is zero, zero way I could recognize everybody, but our Moms for Moms group is a family. And it's been a beautiful place, but I am positive that God is moving us on and he's comforting my heart and bringing me peace. And he's confirmed it in different areas. Honestly, since we got married, we have felt North Carolina and never thought that we would do that because then we planted Heart of the Father and we were never going to leave it. But we only know in part and see in part. And I thank God for speaking and comforting not just to Jeremiah and I, but to our kids too. That was a huge part of my heart. And when we told them, they were like, well, we got to do what God wants us to do. Let's do it. And for a mama's heart, that meant the world. And they're sad. They're sad and then they're happy and they're sad and they're happy. But we are so excited. And I just wanted to personally thank you guys for being on this journey with us. I know it's not going to be a goodbye. It's going to be Let's stay connected, and let's build a bridge from here to North Carolina, and I am so, so excited. Barry, Brandon, Dave, thank you so much for being a friend to my husband. Thank you for holding him up and keeping him accountable. You have no idea, no idea what you mean to our family, and I really, really honor you and love you and appreciate you guys, and I'm very excited for the road ahead. I've learned over the years that a big part of the kingdom of God is release. We release whatever we hold in our hand because Jesus is the one who controls all. And it's bigger than our little place that we want to keep so snug and safe. It's bigger than our church that we love and our family. It's the kingdom. And so we want what God wants. And our heart um, resonates with them. We love them dearly. I've personally walked with them from before the church ever started, been part of this. So we have a lot of history together. I've been with Jeremiah when I've seen him weep uncontrollably and um, just talking about how difficult it was, and especially in those early years, and we've had a lot of times together in the trenches licking each other's wounds, I think. Um, so it, 
they're super dear to all of us, obviously. Um, I, I've having, when you were sharing, I was just having flashbacks of we have seven children, if you don't know that, my wife and I, and taking our oldest son to college in Virginia. We had everybody packed in the expedition, and we're driving up there. And as we're getting about an hour away from Virginia where the college is, everybody in the car starts crying. My kids are all crying. My wife is crying. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? I, I'm, I'm being the cheerleader. When we get up there, literally walk around the campus, everybody's crying the whole time. And when it came time to leave, they're bawling their eyes out. My kids were hysterical, crying. My wife, we're getting in the car. And I'm like, now what? I've got to drive all the way back to Florida with this whole car of crying people. And... I just, you know, it rose up inside of me. I guess as the dad, part of the thing is seeing the biz bigger vision. I'm saying, guys, honey, this is what we spent all of these years homeschooling for, to be able to release them into their destiny. This is good. God is getting what he wants. He's going to be glorified in our son, and he has been. Now he's got four kids of his own. And um, God's launched him in an amazing career path. So this is the kingdom. It's sweet and it's sour. It's exciting and it's also sad in some ways. So we want for them to be highly blessed. We obviously are very endeared um, in our hearts towards them. Just want to put out a couple things here before we leave here and dismiss. Their last Sunday here is going to be on June 28th. So Jeremiah is going to share. Here's what I want you to do. Please hear me. If you've ever been around this body much or you've been here very long, you know that we don't ever pull for money here. We don't do it. But I want you to pray, everybody, earnestly. We want to bless them hugely and send them off with a huge financial blessing. Do you hear me? All right, I want you to I'm asking you to pray into that. God, what's the best that I can do? We want to honor them, and in so doing, we're going to honor the Lord. Do you believe that? I, listen, I want everybody to be part of this. Let's pray into it. Let's bless them. We're going to have a cake on the 28th. We're going to celebrate. This is a celebration. It's also sad. You can celebrate with tears at the same time. Paul did it, he said. So we can do that, but let's, let's celebrate this time because God is doing something. He's releasing. Listen, it's obvious that God has raised up Jeremiah and given them the platform and the voice that he's given him for a reason. And so we want to partner with that as a community. Bless that. Bless them and release them and launch them. We want them to leave here with a tremendous sense of blessing um, as the Lord launches them out.